Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email that includes both the lesson as well as the text reading for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And today we're continuing our reading of Chapter 22, Salvation and the Holy Relationship, with Section 4, Reason in the holy relationship. Uh, we're also, also mindful of our lesson today, lesson 248, which is, whatever suffers is not part of me. And by way of opening this morning, um, a pretty straightforward little poem from Shailen Harkin in her book, Susceptible to Light. The poem is called quote-unquote, Judgment Day. And I think there's one unmuted line. Tap that. Okay. Judgment Day. Goes like this. What if, quote-unquote, Judgment Day consists of grouping together all the people you acted in dumb ways around in this absurd life as you are waking up from those damn fool ways we are all waking up from, by the way, and laughing and grieving our hearts back into tenderness together, now that we finally understand. Isn't that just perfect for reason and the holy relationship? Yes, thank you. That's very true. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Laughing and grieving our hearts back into tenderness together. Beautiful. Well, thanks, guys. I, I liked finding that. I loved finding that, actually. Um, okay. Here's our reading list this morning. We have Harrison, Lemoyne, Fran... Jennifer, Robin Marie, and Jessica. And I wonder who else has joined us that would like to be on the reading list or say good morning. Good morning, everybody. Lori, I, I uh, can read. Thank you. Oh, excellent. Thanks, Judy. All righty. <clears throat> so, let's undertake Chapter 22. Salvation and the Holy Relationship with Section 4, Reason and the Holy Relationship, starting with paragraph 29. The introduction of reason into the ego's thought system is the beginning of its undoing. For reason and the ego are contradictory, nor is it possible for them to coexist coexist in your awareness. And reason's goal is to make plain and therefore obvious. You can see reason. 
This is not a play on words, for here is the beginning of a vision that has meaning. Vision is sense, quite literally. If it is not the body's sight, it must be understood, for it is plain, and what is obvious is not ambiguous. It can be understood. And here do reason and the ego separate and go their different ways. Harrison. Chapter 22, Salvation and the Holy Relationship. Section 4, Reason and the Holy Relationship. 29. The introduction of reason into the ego's thought system is the beginning of its undoing. For reason and the ego are contradictory, nor is it possible for them to coexist in your awareness. And reason's goal is to make plain and therefore obvious. You can see reason. This is not a play on words, for here is the beginning of a vision that has meaning. Vision is sense quite literally. If it is not the body's sight, it must be understood, for it is plain, and what is obvious is not ambiguous. It can be understood. And here the reason and the ego separate to go their different ways. Thirty. Ego's whole continuance depends on its belief. You cannot learn this course. Share this belief, and reason will be unable to see your errors and make way for their correction. For reason sees through errors, telling you what you thought was real is not. Reason can see the difference between sin and mistakes because it wants correction. Therefore, it tells you what you thought was uncorrectable can be corrected, and thus it must have been an error. The ego's opposition to correction leads to its fixed belief in sin and disregard of errors. It looks on nothing that can be corrected. Thus does the ego damn and reason save. Thank you, Harrison. Uh, Lemoyne. The ego's whole continuance depends on its belief you cannot learn this course. Share this belief, 
and reason will be unable to see your errors and make way for their correction. For reason sees through errors, telling you what you thought was real is not. Reason can see the difference between sin and mistake because it wants correction. Therefore, it tells you what you thought was uncorrectable can be corrected and thus it must have been an error. The ego's opposition to correction leads to its fixed belief in sin and disregard of error. It looks on nothing that can be corrected. <coughs> thus does the ego damn and reason save. Reason is not salvation in itself, but it makes way for peace and brings you to a state of mind in which salvation can be given you. Sin is a block set like a heavy gate, locked and without a key, across the road to peace. No one who looks on it without the help of reason would try to pass it. The body's eyes behold it as solid granite so thick it would be madness to attempt to pass it. Yet reason sees through it easily because it is an error. The form it takes cannot conceal its emptiness from reason's eyes. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 31. Reason is not salvation in itself, but it makes way for peace and brings you to a state of mind in which salvation can be given you. Sin is a block, set like a heavy gate, locked and without a key, across the road to peace. No one who looks on it without the help of reason would try to pass it. The body's eyes behold it as solid granite, so thick it would be madness to attempt to pass it. Yet reason sees through it easily because it is an error. The form it takes cannot conceal its emptiness from reason's eyes. 32. Only the form of error attracts the ego, meaning it does not recognize and does not know if it is there or not. Everything which the body's eyes can see is a mistake, an error in perception, a distorted fragment of the whole, without the meaning that the whole would give, and yet mistakes, regardless of their form, can be corrected. Sin is but error in a special form the ego venerates. It would preserve all errors and make them sins. For here is its own stability, its heavy anchor in the shifting world it made, the rock on which its church is built, and which its worshippers are bound to bodies and believe the body's freedom is their own. Thank you, Fran. And Jennifer. 32. Only the form of error attracts the ego, meaning it does not recognize and does not know if it is there or not. Everything which the body's eyes can see is a mistake and an error in perception 
a distorted fragment of the whole without the meaning that the whole would give. And yet mistakes, regardless of their form, can be corrected. Sin is but error in a special form the ego venerates. It would preserve all errors and make them sin. For here it is, for here is its own stability, its heavy anchor in the shifting world it made. The rock on which its church is built and where its worshipers are bound to bodies and believe the body's freedom is there, is, is their own. <laughs> 33. Reason will tell you that the form of error is not what makes it a mistake. If what the form conceals is a mistake, the form cannot prevent correction. The body's eyes see only form. They cannot see beyond what they were made to see. And they were made to look on error and not see past it. There's indeed a strange, theirs is indeed a strange perception. For they can see only illusions, unable to look beyond the granite block of sin and stopping at the outside form of nothing. To this distorted form of vision, the outside of everything, the wall that stands between you and and the truth, is wholly true. Yet how can sight which stops at nothingness, as if it were a solid wall, see truly? It is held back by form, having been made to guarantee that nothing else but form will be perceived as. Thank you, Jennifer. And Robin Marie. tell you that the form of error is not what makes it a mistake. If what the form conceals is a mistake, the form cannot prevent correction. The body's eyes see only form. They cannot see beyond what they were made to see. They were made to look on error and not see past it. Theirs is indeed a strange perception, for they cannot see only illusions unable to look beyond the granite block of sin and stopping at the outside form of nothing. To this distorted form of vision, the outside of everything, the wall that stands between you and the truth, is wholly true. Yet how can sight, which stops at nothingness, as if it were a solid wall, see truly? It is held back by form, having been made to guarantee that nothing else but form will be perceived. 34. These eyes, made not to see, will never see, for the idea they represent left not its maker, and it is their maker that sees through them. What was its maker's goal? 
but not to see. For this the body's eyes are perfect means, but not for seeing. See how the body's eyes rest on externals and cannot go beyond. Watch how they stop at nothingness, unable to go beyond the form to meaning. Nothing's so blinding as perception of form. For sight of form means understanding has been obscured. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Jessica. 34. These eyes made not to see will never see. For the idea they represent left not its maker, and it is their maker that sees through them. What was its maker's goal but not to see? For this the body's eyes are perfect means, but not for seeing. See how the body's eyes rest on externals and cannot go beyond. Watch how they stop at nothingness, unable to go beyond the form, the meaning. Nothing so blinding as perception of form. For sight of form means understanding has been obscured. 35. I have to uh, turn this. Uh, Only mistakes have different forms, and so they can deceive. You can change form because it is not true. It could not be reality because it can be changed. Reason will tell you that if form is not reality, it must be an illusion and is not there to see. And if you see it, you must be mistaken, for you are seeing what cannot be real as if it were. What cannot see beyond what is not there must be distorted perception and must perceive illusions as the truth. Could it then recognize the truth? Thank you, Jessica. And Judy. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Jennifer. Jessica, Uh, 35, only mistakes have different forms, and so they can deceive. You can change form because it is not true. It could not be reality because it can be changed. Reason will tell you that. If form is not reality, it must be an illusion. And it's not there to see. And if you see it, you must be mistaken, for you are seeing what cannot be real as if it were. What cannot see beyond what is not there must be distorted perception and must perceive illusions as the truth. Could it then recognize the truth? Let not the form, 
of his mistakes. Keep you from him whose holiness is yours. Let not the vision of his holiness, the sight of which would show you your forgiveness, be kept from you by what the body's eyes can see. Let your awareness of your brother not be blocked by your perception of his sins and of his body. What is there in him that you would attack except what you associate with his body, which you believe can sin? Beyond his errors is his holiness and your salvation. You gave him not his holiness, but tried to see your sins in him to save yourself. And yet his holiness is your forgiveness. Can you be saved by making sinful the one whose holiness is your salvation? Thank you, Judy. And do we have a new reader for 36 and 37? Anyone joined us for 36 and 37? Hi, Lori. This is Mindy. Hi, Mindy. Uh-huh. Okay. You'll hang on about 30 seconds. I will. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, okay. Looks like I'm going to be able to pull it up in a timely manner. If someone else comes in to do a turn, I'd love to do it right after. But I have to cast. Uh, I right don't now. think anyone. Oh, okay. Then we'll go back there. Oh, you have Wait, it now? I, I do. 36 and 37. Okay. All right. Oh, I apologize. It just ended at 36, so uh, thank you for the opportunity, and let's carry on. I pass. Okay, thank Mindy. You. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, Harrison then, 36 and 37. Let not the form of his mistake keep you from him whose holiness is yours. Let not the vision of his holiness, the sight of which would show you your forgiveness, be kept from you by what the body's eyes can see. Let your awareness of your brother not be blocked by your perception of his sins and of his body. What is there in him that you would attack except what you associate with his body, which you believe can sin? Beyond his errors is his holiness and your salvation. 
You gave him not his holiness, but tried to see your sins in him to save yourself. And yet his holiness is your forgiveness. Can you be saved by making sinful the one whose holiness is your salvation? 32nd, a holy relationship, however newly born, must value holiness above all else. Unholy values will produce confusion and in awareness. In an unholy relationship, each one is valued because he seems to justify the other's sin. He sees within the other what impels him to sin against his will. And thus he lays his sins upon the other and is attracted to him to perpetuate his sins. And so it must become impossible for each to see himself as causing sin by his desire to have sin real. Yet, reason sees a holy relationship as what it is, a common state of mind where both give errors gladly to correction that both may happily be killed as one. Thank you, Harrison. I'm Lemoyne. A holy relationship, however newly born, must value holiness above all else. Unholy values will produce confusion and in awareness. In an unholy relationship, each one is valued because he seems to justify the other's sin. He sees within the other what impels him to sin against his will. And thus he lays his sin upon the other and is attracted to him to perpetuate his sin. And so it must become impossible for each to see himself as causing sin by his desire to have sin real. Yet reason sees a holy relationship as what it is, a common state of mind where both give errors gladly to correction, that both may be happily healed as one. Thank you, Lemoyne. 
And thank you, everyone, who read this morning of this section on reason and the holy relationship. See, I think I just had a few things to touch in on um, before we open the floor. But especially in that first paragraph, uh, the introduction of reason into the ego's thought system is the beginning of its undoing. For reason and the ego are contradictory, nor is it possible for them to coexist in your awareness. You can see reason. Vision is sense, quite literally. It is not ambiguous and is understood. And from paragraph 31, reason is not salvation in itself, but it makes way for peace and brings you to a state of mind in which salvation can be given you. In contrast, only the form of error attracts the ego in paragraph 32, meaning it does not recognize and does not know, it if, know if it is there or not. Everything which the body's eyes can see is a mistake, an error in perception, a distorted fragment of the whole without the meaning that the whole would give it. The body's eyes can see only form, and those eyes made not to see will never see. The idea they represent left not its maker, and it is their maker that sees through them. What was its maker's goal but not to see? For this, the body's eyes are perfect means, but not for seeing. See how the body's eyes rest on externals and cannot go beyond, unable to go beyond the form to meaning. Nothing so blinding as perception of form. For sight of form means understanding has been obscured. In 36, let not the form of his mistakes keep you from him whose holiness is yours. Let your awareness of your brother not be blocked by your perception of his sins and of his body. Beyond his errors is his holiness and your salvation. His holiness is your forgiveness. And finally in 32, or I'm sorry, 37, a holy relationship, however newly born, must value holiness above all else. Reason sees a holy relationship is what it is, a common state of mind where both can give errors gladly to correction that mo both may happily be healed as one. And now the floor is open. Thank you for your summary, Lori. Beautiful. Well done. It's Harrison. Uh, just an incredible reading here. Uh, the whole notion of reason is not something that I really understood before this, I remember years ago, 
friend of mine, we used to study the Course together. Uh, she talked about reason a lot, and I never quite understood what it meant really until now. So this is great uh, explanation for how reason is used by the Course and how reason is the source of real knowledge about myself, others, and the world. And one line particularly stood out for me in paragraph 34 uh, that Roy, you repeated nothing so blinding as perception of form. For sight of forms means understanding has been obscured. If my vision of how I see stops at the form and believes that the form is reality. And that means that my understanding have been has been obscured. And what is form except the world I see? Fits in nicely with the uh, section of what is the world that I hope we can talk a little about later. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah, thank you. Such an such an open share. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Harrison. I really um, would love to, to get into dialogue about this section. It's, you know, this, the, the, um, the way that it speaks of all perception being interpretation. And um, there's so much in this text reading today. Um, what caught my attention was the, the, in paragraph 31 where it speaks of reason is not salvation in itself, but makes way for peace and brings me to a state of mind in which salvation can be given me. That reason, it takes reason, higher reasoning than what the, what the ego perceives through a deception of form, that I'm deceiving myself by thinking I am a form, that thinking that I am a something. And everything that I see through the eyes of that perception is just perception of more form, which just validates the total distortion of reality. And it's just 
it's mind-boggling to think how this created this insanity in the world, all the insanity that comes from the illusion of separation. And in looking at the insanity of the self-deception and what it's made of the world and how we need to be restored to sanity through reason, but there's no reason in insanity. That's, that's the kicker. So we really need, require we go to our true self, the voice of truth, the Holy Spirit, um, the Christ consciousness, to transform our errors of perception into the vision of, of the truth, the Christ mind that sees through the mind of reason that we are one in truth. And um, this is just such a powerful section to me in undoing the ego that all perception is, is um, like Harrison, you repeated um, that line that nothing is so blind as the perception of form. And I'm really thinking a lot about Micah today because we really, we used to both get so jazzed up about this section of the text. So I'll stop there and um, look forward to hearing everyone's shares. Um, thank you for joining uh, together in, in seeking only the truth of who we are today. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. And you know what? That's um, just a really excellent segue uh, to our lesson here at the top of the hour. Uh, whatever suffers is not a part of me. So, Fran, if you would um, lead us again this morning, um, we'll put a punctuation mark on what's the difference between reason and insanity um, by determining what's not a part of me. So, I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme we're on now is What is the World? And today's lesson is Lesson 248. Whatever suffers is not part of me. So I shall read some from What is the World, and then we'll go to our lesson and do our five-minute practice. Okay. What is the world? The world is false perception. It is born of error and has not left its source. It will remain no longer than the thought which gave it birth is cherished. The world was made as an attack on God. It symbolizes fear. And what is fear except love's absence? Thus the world was meant to be a place where God could enter not and where his son could be apart from him. The mechanisms of illusion have been born instead. And sight was made to leave away from truth. It can be redirected. Sounds become the call of God. And all perception can be given a new purpose by the one whom God appointed Savior to the world. Let us not rest content until the world has joined our changed perception. Let us not be satisfied until forgiveness has been made complete. We must save the world. And we'll go over to our lesson. 
Lesson 248. Whatever suffers is not part of me. I have disowned the truth. Now, let me be as faithful in disowning falsity. Whatever suffers is not part of me. What grieves is not myself. What is in pain is but illusion in my mind. What dies was never living in reality and did but mock the truth about myself. Now, I disown self-concepts and deceits and lies about the Holy Son of God. Now, am I ready to accept him back as God created him and as he is? Father, my ancient love for you returns and lets me love your son again as well. Father, I am as you created me. Now is your love remembered and my own. Now do I understand that they are one. Lesson 248. Whatever suffers is not part of me. Five minutes.
Lesson 248. Whatever suffers is not part of me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. I don't know if, um, well, let me say this. Harrison, I really appreciated your share uh, when you said that reason is something uh, coming later to your understanding. And uh, why I share that viewpoint. In fact, I, I share it <laughs> so deeply. I, I don't know where my share is going to go this morning. Um, but I'll say what what I've been given to say so far. And the word for the day, um, some days when I'm really uh, empty and don't know what's going to come up, I'll get a word for the day. And the word for the day will open my understanding in a way that I couldn't have foreseen, but... um, the gift of it is that it leads me guys, to a place where I'm open. To, um, talking about our lesson still, lesson four, or reason and the holy relationship that is. Uh, yeah, we are. We're on reason and the holy relationship, Jennifer. Um, and am I audible? talking about the Yeah, you are. But we're also talking about the workbook oh. lesson, what suffers is not a part of me. We're doing both. Uh-huh. Oh I, I had it on mute, and I couldn't hear anybody. <laughs> so sorry for that. Oh, everybody. okay. Sorry about that. Okay. No problem. No problem. Um, because my share, I don't know where it's going to go. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of following Holy Spirit here. Um, anyway, uh, I'll get a word for the day, and sometimes the word for the day opens my mind so I can follow Holy Spirit more clearly. And today's word is benchmark. And so I looked it up, as I always do, and the definition of a benchmark is a standard or a point of reference against which against which things may be compared or assessed. And I thought, that's pretty interesting, benchmark. That's exactly, um, that, that is exactly how this opened up, opened up for me. In the ego thought system, everything is used. And then I remembered from our very first lessons, about thoughts, remember? We started with 
I see nothing that means anything. I've given it all the meaning it has for me. My thoughts do not mean anything. I'm upset because I see what isn't there. My mind's preoccupied with past thoughts. My thoughts do not mean anything. My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. I'm upset because I see a meaningless world. Nothing's dependable. My thoughts are images I have made. I have no neutral thoughts. I see no neutral things. I'm not alone in experiencing the effects of my thoughts. All of those lessons, all of those lessons lead me to the point of realizing the purpose of everything. I do not know what anything is for. To me, the purpose of everything is to prove that my illusions about myself are real. It is for that purpose I attempt to use everyone and everything. Benchmark. A standard or point of reference against which things may be compared or assessed. I've used everything in my world of thoughts as a way to compare or assess or judge everything. And that's a pretty good definition of the ego thought system. Thoughts. I use my thoughts to make a judgment. And I use everything in the world to make a judgment. And therefore, I don't know the real purpose of anything. The purpose I've given the world has led to a frightening picture of it. And that's exactly what we're reading in What is the World? Let me open my mind to its real purpose by withdrawing the one I have given it and learning the truth about it. I think we have one unmuted line. I'm going to just tap that line. Um, anyway, now I understand something. And isn't reason understanding? <laughs> now I understand something. If I've used everything in the world as a standard against which to compare or judge, uh, then I don't understand anything about it. My thoughts have carried me away to a world that is not understandable. And maybe you noticed, like I did in this reading today, trying to follow the rationale of an insane thought system, trying to follow the reason of how the ego uses everything against which to judge itself, um, it makes no sense. <laughs> and so in trying to understand some of these paragraphs, um, you know, it, I actually, I'll tell you how it felt to me. It felt as if my mind slid just like a car on an icy road. I felt like I slid um, into something that made absolutely no sense at all. And that's a very excellent definition of the ego thought system. Nothing makes any sense because it's insane. Contrast that with reason. Reason asks for correction as compared to the ego's thought system, sin is fixed and immutable. Um, 
against which everything's going to be compared because it doesn't move. Reason asks for correction. Very simply, I don't know what this means. The ego thought system tells me the meaning of everything. It's rattling on in my mind constantly, telling me the meaning of everything. Reason says, I don't understand what I see. Father, what's the truth of this? Very simply, I don't understand, um, and I'm not asked to understand all the things that are made manifest in form, like someone's behavior, someone's personality, someone's actions, someone's addictions, someone's etc., 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 because the body's eyes stop at all of that and make comparison against what? What the ego thinks is true. Reason is the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning, he says, in that very first paragraph. Reason and the ego are contradictory. They cannot coexist. And the introduction of reason into the ego's thought system is the beginning of its undoing. This is how I let holiness return to my awareness. In holiness, everything is whole and complete, perfect, healed. Remember, um, everything seen with vision is healed and holy. Nothing seen without it means anything. When I say, I don't know what this means, tell me the truth of this, suddenly my mind is open. And holiness can return to my awareness. It's the beginning of the return of sense. Sense. You know, and what is sense except something I can understand? I can understand it because it's also the truth of me. This is why when I understand the truth of me, all of those first 25 lessons slip away. Because now, the truth of me is the truth of everything. Reason has allowed holiness to return to my awareness. I am no longer trying to make sense of what makes no sense at all, like personalities and behavior and actions and appearances and everything that the body's eyes stop at. And finally, the last thing I wanted to say about reason as compared to the ego thought system is that it is honest. If I'm using everything in the world and people um, to benchmark my ideas about truth with, I'm basically being very dishonest because... um, because my ideas are fixed against something that I value. When he says, holiness must be valued against above all else, I've allowed my mind to move out of that benchmarking where everything is judged and assessed against my values. 
reason can return to my awareness and let salvation be given to me. Um, that's what I have this morning. And I was really grateful for um, the word benchmark because it helped me understand those first 25 lessons about how my thoughts are showing me a meaningless world and how my thoughts stop at the site of form. And um, in the ego thought system, um, I'm basically fixed in a false belief about the world and everything in it. Um, I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. I love your benchmark. Beautiful clarity. Superb. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, That was deep. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for your deep thought, Lori. Well, not mine. <laughs> I started from like I always do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you, so anyway. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Thanks, Romarie. <laughs> Thank you for letting it come through you, your willingness to allow the truth to come to you. Thanks, Harrison. Good morning, this is Sandra. And um, as I was going over this chapter, I thought of the word reason. They used it a lot. And for me, reason is common sense. And one, and, and the thing that makes it common there's a commonality to the to the common sense, which is which is really God. It's just, it's the Creator. That's what we all have in common, no matter what. We all have the Creator in common because we we wouldn't be here if we didn't have that in common. We wouldn't be having an experience on planet Earth. And and one of the things that um, that is that's happening here. Where, where we've lost our common sense is, is we're, we're removing God from the picture. And that's what's happening to this humanity. And we're actually replacing God. I mean, I, I'm, I'm concerned, a little bit concerned about replacing God with artificial intelligence, <laughs> which is the ego, actually, because it's not real. It's not real intelligence that comes directly from our creator. And, and therefore, there's no vision. When there's common sense, it's not about, it's, 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 it's a place where you can m- make mistakes because you learn through your mistakes. That's what common sense is. That's part of the evolutionary process is to be able to make mistakes and figure out what works and what doesn't work. And then you learn from it. Uh-uh, not on this planet. <laughs> you just keep repeating what doesn't work until you destroy our until we destroy ourselves and destroy the whole planet. 
So, so this book for me, A Course in Miracles, is the most commonsensical book that ever was because it puts first things first, which is my relationship with my creator. I'm, I don't even exist if I don't have a relationship with, the crea- with my creator and my relationship with all of creation. And if I have a relationship with my creator and if I have a relationship with all of creation, guess what? I got common sense. I've got reason. I'm complete. No, oh, that was just excellent. Beautiful. Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. I have. Um, Thank you, Sandra. I really, I really loved your share. the The idea of common sense, a common state of mind, um, a mind that's one with itself that uses reason to see the truth. You know that um, the insanity the insanity of the world that comes from from unshared interests and what it's what we've made of the world what people people have made in in believing what they think is true to the exclusion of reason and um, just wanting to be right the, the insanity of doing making the same mistakes over and over and and expecting different results and not even being able to see it because we're so blind through the perception of form and oh man i watched a movie yesterday which really um tipped my benchmark (laughs) into the awareness of the insanity of the ego it was about the use of 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 uranium in weapons and the the devastation that it causes because it doesn't go away it's something that lasts for like four billion years it doesn't it doesn't go away in 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 the sense of time and and transformation but I was really encouraged um, and after going watching this movie and having you know my peace really disturbed by it um, using the one-mindedness of Christ within me to forgive the illusion of the perception that we are bodies, that we can kill each other, that we can hurt each other. And, you know, that, that, that that's a belief beyond understanding, that I, I, I believe that I'm not a body, but do I really know it? Do I experience myself as as being love itself and do I manifest myself as being love itself is where the rubber meets the road that I have to witness through my understanding and my reason of being in one holy relationship with my creator and and all of creation in order for that forgiveness to be complete and and restore me to the peace of, of God that is in his wholeness, his perfection. And, um, you know, that it's, it's beyond belief and, and that we, we, we believe what we see, but we use the mind in service of the spirit, that I am purely mind, <coughs> excuse me, in the service 
of the spirit and that I will witness to. And this is where the lesson from yesterday really helped me. And I feel um, came, came to my reason perfectly for me in furthering my understanding of who I am in truth, that forgiveness, without forgiveness, I will be blind and I will continue to believe in the illusion of what is not true, what is not real, what is false, and only the truth is true, and that I have to put my faith and my reason and my understanding and stand in the house of truth. So this has been really a powerful couple days for me, and I'm so glad for um, people sharing their their clarity and their um, purpose for seeking only the truth so that and transform our miscreations, transform, transcend, resurrect, ascend above the battleground, our consciousness above the battleground to the holiest of holy places in the mind of God. Restore our minds to the mind of God where we belong at home, in heaven, and in happy, joyous freedom, the incredible lightness of being light, of being beings of light, beings of love. Powerful stuff, guys. Thank you for giving me a place to share. I love you. I'm complete. Thanks, Jude. Thank you, Judy. Love you too, Judy. Thank you. This is how What is the world? I've I've had over the years, probably about 15 years now, few disagreements with my friend, Lee Flynn, and this idea of the world. I remember long conversations after Lee called about this idea and uh, I believed that there the course was teaching me that there is no objective world there's no world outside of our mind the only place the world exists is in our minds. And we had a different interpretation of that until very recently. I heard him say that he'd come to believe that there was no objective world outside of our mind. Tim Wapnick describes this section as 
describing the world's illusory nature. But as long as we believe we are here, we can choose to have this unreal world serve a different purpose. Forgiveness instead of attack. So while we have depicted the world origins in the ego's thought system of separation, that's where the world arose. We can now see how the Holy Spirit uses the same world as a classroom to lead its home. The first part of first sentence in what is the world is that the world is false perception. Second sentence, it is born of error and it has not left us its source. One of the important principles in courses, ideas leave not their source. So the world's source is the false belief that we have separated from God, making our individual self a reality. In truth, there is no individual selves. There is one Son of God. Individual selves exist only in a world that is an illusion in and of itself. The world is false perception. This is a crucial concept. In the course's thought system. It's the basis of what we call non-dualistic metaphysics. And it's on that basis that true forgiveness rests. And as Watnick puts it, an illusory thought engenders an illusory world, which, when forgiven, disappears back into its own nothingness. 
So what that means to me that everything that seems to happen in this world, everything that I do have done disappears back into its own nothingness. All sin, all attack, as I see it in this world, disappears into the nothingness that is the world. And that strong medicine. Because holding on to the belief that there is a world outside of my thought system is a huge step for us to take. But it's possible. It's possible. When I accept the atonement for myself, there is literally no world for me. People may still remain asleep and believe the world exists, and they may think they see me as a body, as they believed they saw Jesus as a body. But my reality remains with Jesus outside of the dream. Our situation in the real world, the world may not appear, may not disappear. To those who still believe in it, But for me, the world is gone. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to remain. In that belief, in that understanding, that there is no world. A strong medicine. Most of us don't believe that. Most of my life, in the many years that I've studied the course, I didn't believe it. Awesome. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. That's beautiful, Harrison. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison.
a little uh, more personal reflection on what you just shared, Harrison, and my understanding came through um, practicing the lesson that I am purely mind and spirit, and that awareness that Christ's vision is the open-minded, welcoming embrace of everything as it is, as God is, that there is no place where God is not. In other words, accepting the truth of my holy relationship, that I am one with everything. And, and, and still being in a body, having a body suit, but not letting my identification, my personal identification with being inside a body and having everything outside of me and other than me, that is, was the big difference for me, recognizing that there is only one, there is no other. And there's a line in the course that um, really lit up that parade for me was, you will come to learn that there is nothing outside of you, that the mind is completely internal, and that it does not go outside of itself. But what is the magnitude and the glory of the mind of God? And everything that the body can perceive is just a manifestation of the mind of God. And the Course speaks of this too, that everything we perceive, we perceive either from a sense of there's a inside me and everything is outside of me, which is a lonely and separate and a fearful way to perceive everything. Because everything other than Judy is not me. And there's a whole lot going on. And the, the insanity of the ego is that it, it wants to, to deny the truth. And, and the defense of the fear is fear defending itself and the insanity of all that kind of thinking. It's the illusion of being alone that defends the illusion of being alone. And it's so, it's so insane when, you really, when I really look deeply into who I thought I was and how I was being in relationship to everyone. And Lori, your, 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 your dialogue about um, being of service um, brought, was brought to my mind because you spoke of using. Because everything, when I perceived everything from an inside separate Judy and everything is outside of me, that was when I assigned its meaning and its purpose according to Judy's opinion. Judy's idea of what it meant. And that's the clarity that came to me, too, through the understanding of what those first 50 lessons are about. Because they, the first 50 lessons finish with the, I'm a part of God's mind, my mind is very holy, holy my holiness encompasses all that I see. I mean, that was when the light, the light of, and the strength and the power of the mind that I am part of became real in my experience of being able to embrace that kind of feeling in my day-to-day life, that my, my sight didn't seek to pick out and judge and evaluate anymore, that those kinds of thoughts merely went away because I valued the sense of my holiness. And that I love the way you repeated, we've repeated and reread the, the last line in the text today that my 
you know, holiness. I must value holiness above all else because that is what the holy relationship is. That is what I am. My holiness is my safety, my protection, my care, my immortality, my innocence, my beauty, my perfect love. That's my identification. That is my being, my beingness, being the Son of God, one with my Father and my Source. Oh, this is beautiful stuff. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm complete. Uh, beautiful stuff, Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Well done, Judy. Thank you, Judy. This is Yogi Chris. Just came in to listen and participate. Hi, Yogi Chris. Good morning. Hello. I, did I say hi, Yogi? Welcome, Yogi Chris. Sometimes my thoughts are so joyfully loud, I, I think I hear them. <laughs> <laughs> you did say hi. I don't mean to immediately share, but I love I love what was shared here, both by Harrison and um, and I'm really enjoying what Judy shared. Also, um, whatever suffers is not a part of me, and of course, it's not a part of me because I'm practicing being the awareness with the energy of love, non-attachment, non-resistance, gentleness. It's all the same thing. However, when something arises, a, a pattern of thinking with accompanying emotion that suffers, I'm, I'm right there to bring love to that. Um, of course, in the past, I used to deny that that was happening. I used to make excuses for the feelings um, and suffered from terminal excusitis, the inflammation of the excuse gland, and also pretended that I wasn't witnessing that hurt, experiencing that hurt. Nowadays, whenever there's a opportunity, I will bring as much as I can with the level of awareness that's present within me, understanding, uh, empathy, uh, love to that that's coming up to be loved. And after a while, one of the things that has happened is I just say, a, a, I just bring that loving energy, that space. I might say a few words in the form of prayer, and it 
passes away pretty quickly unless it's something deep that I haven't brought love to, then I'll take an extended period of time to uh, do that process plus a little more. And um, it really tames the the wild suffering bull within the anxious monkey mind. I don't call it this these things because I, I, I say it's just that little little child that needs to be looked at with love with uh, and, and let it go. That doesn't mean that I'm making it a part of me, but I want to bring love to whatever shows up, more importantly, within me. Because the without, without will take care of itself once I've lo- looked and brought love to whatever comes up. Um, and to me, that's the answer. That's the answer of that prayer, Father. My ancient love returns with, because I'm practicing being in the present moment and extending love. Um, and let me love your son again as well. Well, your your son is what I'm identified with practicing identifying with that but the small son needs the love of what i'm identif- practicing identified with um so being identified with love as god created us as god created me and bringing love and remembering that love to whatever comes up to be undone is the key um and boy have i uh, have i experienced the benefits of relationships with friends uh family members but first i needed to do it within and now it's I balance it more with within and without. But it, there was a time where I really needed to, especially during meditations where I'm practicing self-awareness, bring that loving awareness and prayerful dialogue to that and be and practicing being in comfort at, as that discomfort came up. And um, and train my the neurological system in the body and in the mind to be with that uncomfortable feelings, because the last thing at that time I wanted to do is be with that uncomfortable feeling. Uh, but that's where my the, the that's where denial, excuses, and pretending that I wasn't hurting was hurting me. Um, 
anyways, that's a long, long story short. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, it was good. Truth always starts with my mind. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. It was funny. Remind me of um, how I, I was, how my thinking was operating when I was watching this documentary on um, on radioactive um, weapons and um, the sickness and suffering that they caused. Well, past the, you know, initial blowing things up and the remains of the radioactivity. And, you know, the, the Department of Defense's um, denial that it was radioactive and that it was causing any sickness when there's 250,000 veterans who are suffering, physically suffering from all these diseases. And um, the, the people where, they, where the wars were were are suffering in, in, in time, at, well, after the war has been abandoned. And, um, and I was thinking, you know, in truth, nothing really can hurt us. So what those Department of Defense people were saying, which, you know, 250,000 veterans were saying was a lie, was the, actually the truth. <laughs> But this is where my mind went with it, that it was, it's not the point of the radio, radioac, radioactivity, and it's not the point of being sick. It's the point that we can deny the truth of who we are. That is what is, is essential, that we deny our holiness and our completion and our, our sacred trust of being in love to one another, that... Um, you know, empowers us to forgive anything and that I can forgive the smallest hurt as well as I can forgive a Hiroshima or a Hitler because there's no order of difficulties and miracles, that it's one mind and all heirs are the same and there, there's no hierarchy of difficulty or, um, for, for the correction for God's correction of our misperceptions of how we can be hurt, frightened, or humbled. So this is, this is really huge to me. Thank you, Chris, for reminding me of all that. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Susie. This is Jennifer. Um, the holy relationship. Um, however, newly born must value holiness above all all else. You know, I was on a walk with a, a dear friend, and we were, I was like, oh, look at that playground. It's got a little buddy bench. And I, I said, God, if there would have been a buddy bench 40 years ago, uh, I I think there's one unmuted line, please. Am I, can you guys hear me? Yes. 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 Oh, I'm so Go sorry. ahead, Jennifer. I, 
someone unmuted and I thought I was on mute. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I said, uh, oh, my gosh, if there was a, a buddy bench 40 years ago, that really would have shifted um, things for me. Um, I, I, you know, kids coming up and saying, hey, do you want to play with me? Um, and, and today I think, oh, my gosh, my life has really been perfectly orchestrated. The seeds were planted. Um, <clears throat> in a beautiful way, um, now I can see. I couldn't see it for 38, 40 years. I just couldn't see it. But now I see the parents I chose more and more, um, uh, the addiction I chose to immerse myself in that uh, showed me um, uh, what an unholy relationship looked like with myself and and others, um, I just, uh, what a gift. Um, if I can just, in my mind, you know, like Chris and Judy um, and, and all of you that are sharing, um, just in my mind, sit on the buddy bench with the Holy Spirit and welcome that holy relationship within me um, when I'm in a state of some form of fear, um, that is um, that is the gift of what happened, or what or what didn't happen. <laughs> and um, now I'm in a place with willingness that's growing and growing, and in, in love for myself and 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 everybody. Um, every time I see and I feel. Um, see something that's not there that's irritating you know any kind of irritation is a sign that I'm not for I'm not see, seeing with true vision so it's a it's a it's really again a seed planted to um, grow um, the truth and uh, to allow this you know, the Christ within me, the, the, that small voice, soft voice, to, to give me compliments, to love me, to say, oh, no, Jennifer, you're doing so well. Oh, no, 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 we're not going there. We're not saddling up with um, the past, what you used to believe. No, 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 we're going to. And, and then when I do that for myself, um, I'm doing it for everybody else. I'm also learning that in in relating with others um, and my goal being a, a holy relationship, boy, I'm being shown uh, the old beliefs and patterns. And boy, am I ever so, yes, I just want to shift this for myself and for everybody uh, back into true vision. So... Have a buddy bench in your mind <laughs> for you and the Holy Spirit and, and your brothers and sisters to join you. Um, but sometimes that means first with the Holy Spirit. And um, anyways, that's my vision. I'm complete. Thank you, Jennifer. Excellent. 
Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Jennifer. I just want to quickly mention um, something that was mentioned earlier about radioactive waste and and um, pain. Uh, if if I if I am not vigilant, or as I practice vigilance and observe some radioactive waste in the form of emotions that the ego presents from the past. And I am, uh, for some reason, not bringing love and giving that over to be undone. That sits within my mind creating radioactivity that pulls me to that until I bring it up, release it, get it, allow it to be transmuted through forgiveness and seeing it in a loving way. And that energy brings, shifts that radioactive base to uh, loving, gentle, uh, love God attractive energy. Um, and I love the lesson that says only our, our thoughts could hurt us. Wow. Wait a minute, the ego says. There's nothing outside of us that could hurt us? I'm complete. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Chris. This is um, what was my practice when I was watching that documentary. That um, The only creative use of my mind is to, to go for the correction of what I'm perceiving. And um, to deny that we're in bodies and to deny that people suffer in bodies is, is cruel because we still believe it. And um, I, people who do believe it, it suffer greatly and I can say I don't believe in suffering suffering it's not a part of me but when I have pain in my body I have a hard time denying that this pain is doesn't exist because it hurts me and so I'm really working with with the gentleness thank you Lori for that word again tenderness you used I heard um, in one of your shares that that this is a time for tenderness to embrace the feelings that of hurt that come up in me when I see other people suffering, because as you spoke of, um, you know the the word empathy. You use the word empathy, and um, I'm reminded in the text how um, the Holy Spirit says not to empathize with the illusion, but to bring the illusion to the truth, and thereby heal it, both for myself and for the other. And when I look at documentaries like that and the insanity of the political system, the Defense Department, and, you know, environmental concerns, the collective common nonsense, to use the, the phrase in the text today, that we come to a common state of mind of healing, 
the miscreations that we've made in the world that are not of God, that have no power over us, and recognizing that they don't is where my faith must be rooted in a solid foundation of peace, unshakable peace, that this can't hurt us, that we have to stand in that truth. And it's not um, peace is an unshakable, uh, changeless kind of peace. It's not um, a bargain or a truce or a ceasefire. It's constant, and that's where I have to stand, in the constant, consistent changelessness of the truth. Thank you very much for this dialogue. Thank you, Judy. Go, Judy. Yeah, thank love you, your Judy. Thank you, Judy. Well, there always comes a time we have to end our recording. Um, but as typical, we uh, don't end the call. Uh, but to end the recording this morning, um, two things were given me. One, we read yesterday where he said this is a crucial crucial part of the course, crucial period in this course, for here the separation of you and the ego must be made complete. For if you have the means to let the Holy Spirit's purpose be accomplished, they can be used, and through their use you will gain faith in them. This is the gift of reason. And so to end the recording, I went to chapter 10. God and the ego, where he gives us this paragraph 58. Every brother you meet, every brother you meet becomes a witness for Christ or for the ego, depending on what you perceive in him. Everyone convinces you of what you want to perceive and of the reality of the kingdom you've chosen for your vigilance. Everything you perceive is a witness to the thought system you want to be true. Every brother has the power to release you if you will to be free. You cannot accept false witness of him unless you've evoked false witness against him. If he speaks not of Christ to you, you spoke not of Christ to him. You hear but your own voice. And if Christ speaks through you, you will hear him. Crucial period in this course. Here the separation of you and the ego must be made complete. Um, We're asked to dedicate through reason our vigilance to the thought system of truth in this way. So thank you everyone. Um, this has been a very generous and beautiful call, and um, I'll end the recording.